This is the Money Talks podcast with Michael Campbell. Have you noticed that virtually any idea that's outside the government narrative of the day is now called a conspiracy theory? Well, case in point, much like COVID, I think climate change will be the rationale for societal restrictions. That's got to be a conspiracy theory. Well, until you read somebody like University College London professor Mariana Mazzucato, who states in quotes, we may need climate lockdowns to halt climate change. That might mean governments limiting private vehicle use, banning consumption of red meat, etc. must do capitalism differently to avoid that. Hmm. We must do cap- capitalism differently. Now is a euphemism of do your life differently. And if you're not willing to do it voluntarily, well, we're prepared to use other methods. Which brings me to the quote of the week. As Steve Watson of Summit News reports, this past week in an interview with MSNBC's Andrea Mitchell, Al Gore referred to technology created by so-called Climate Trace Coalition that monitors greenhouse gas emissions in quotes. We get data consistently from 300 existing satellites, more than 11,000 ground-based, air-based, sea-based sensors, multiple internet data streams, and using artificial intelligence. All that information is combined, visible light, infrared, and all the other information that is brought in, and we can now accurately determine where the greenhouse gas emissions are coming from. And next year, we'll have it down to the level of every single power plant, refinery, every large ship, every plane, every waste dump, and we'll have the identities of the people who are responsible for each of those greenhouse gas emission streams. Now, here's the part you might want to pay close attention to, in quotes. If investors or governments or civil society activists want to hold them responsible, they will have the information upon which to base their actions and holding them responsible, end of quote. Does anyone, anybody want to bet that's not coming in our future? Time now for the shocking stat of the week. The stat, 6.2%. That's the U- U.S. annual rate of inflation in October. And when I heard it, I'll tell you, I thought it was a jaw dropper. But many analysts say, hey, that's not the whole story. And they could be right given U.S. producer prices are up way more, 8.6% compared to last October. And we know food and energy prices are rising a lot more than that, which is why governments remove energy and food, by the way, from core inflation numbers. Unfortunately, none of us can remove them from our daily lives. Hey, in our country... Mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, the Canada Dairy Commission already announced that milk prices are going to increase by an average of 8.4% and butter 12.4% starting early next year. And the reason? Increased costs for energy, feed, and fertilizer. I mean, it's a good example, by the way. I mean, you may not buy fertilizer directly, but the cost increase due to higher energy costs is passed on to you in so many areas, like the price you pay for milk and butter. What's interesting, though, is that while surveys consistently tell us that the rising cost of living will tops the list of the average person's concerns, the role that inflation plays in increasing our cost of living doesn't seem to register, nor does the role that government policy directly plays in increasing inflation. I mean, for example, if inflation stays at this rate, the average American family at that 6.2%, they make about 1200 bucks per, uh, per week. Well, they're going to end up paying $3,917 more for the same goods that they bought last year. Put another way, anyone who didn't receive a 6.2% raise this year, well, they're taking a pay cut. And keep in mind, as the price of goods rise, here's another one for you. So does the sales tax you pay. 
the government take also increases with those gasoline price increases. And while property taxes rise as the value of your house does due to the impact of loose monetary policy, I mean, it's that, you know, you're looking food, you're looking gasoline taxes, you're looking property taxes. Even better for government is that government borrowing money today from investors, they pay back in dollars whose buying power is reduced. For example, if you lent money to the government, say you bought a one-year government of Canada bond, which today pays about seven-tenths of 1%, but inflation's, let's say, running at 5%, well, when the government pays you back a year later, the money buys 4.3% less. You're a loser. Good deal for government, bad deal for bondholders. So what's driving inflation? Well, we do have supply chain problems. They don't help. But we also have countries like Switzerland have the same supply chain problems, but little inflation. How about labor shortages? Again, not all countries are feeling the same upward pressures. No, I mean, the reason for inflation is, as Milton Friedman famously stated, is that Inflation is everywhere and always a monetary phenomenon. So in the U.S., what happened? The money supply increased 35% since the beginning of the pandemic. In Canada, we got the numbers of September 2019 to September 2020 that year. Well, it increased 28%. You got so much money chasing goods and services, no wonder the price goes up. And I'll move on after one more thought. Who can least afford this? Well, the poor globally and domestically can least afford to pay the higher prices that are a direct result of government policy. And yet, you know what's interesting? I don't hear a, a peep from people who tell me that they're poverty advocates. No, I didn't hear a word. Time now for this week's Goofy Award. You know, I'm thinking I should have enlisted the help of a psychologist, actually, because this is actually more than a goofy. I'm referring to when white people pretend to have First Nations heritage. Now, don't confuse that with Rachel Dolezal in the U.S., who famously pretended to be black. No, I'm talking the sort of Senator Elizabeth Warren style. For decades, she claimed of being Cherokee heritage. She identified herself as Native American in the Association of American Law Schools directory of law professors, not just once, by the way, but every year from 1986 to 1995. And after becoming a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, well, Ms. Warren demanded the university change her faculty listed ethnicity from white to Native American. Only problem was she had no Cherokee heritage. Now, I'm not suggesting for a moment, by the way, this is just an American psychosis. As the National Post Tristan Hopper notes, in June, Algonquin rights activist Robert Lovelace was called out for long claiming Cherokee heritage himself that couldn't be documented. Then there's the case of best-selling author Joseph Boyden, whose novels feature Indigenous Canadian characters. The author claimed that he had Métis, Mi'kmaq, Ojibwe, uh, Nipmuc heritage. Inconveniently, though, the Aboriginal People's Television Network couldn't find any supporting evidence for the claim. Uh, Tristan also notes, by the way, in the National Post, the case of Kingston, Ontario artist Morris Blanchard, who long claimed to be Ojibwe medicine man, who claimed to be a victim of government programs in the 1950s and 60s. Those were referred to as the 60s scoop that took thousands of First Nations children away from their homes, placed them in foster homes, and eventually adopted out to white families in Canada and the U.S. Along the way, by the way, that Mr. Blanchard collected numerous government grants. I mean, the only problem was, in August, members of his own family stepped forward to say they were just regular white people. 
Which brings me to this week's Goofy, the sad case of high-profile University of Saskatchewan Indigenous professor Carrie Barassa, who also, until recently put on unpaid leave, served as scientific director of the Institute of Indigenous Peoples Health. She first identified as Métis, but went on to claim Anasanabi and Tlingit heritage. She went into significant detail, by the way, about the difficult childhood she faced as being First Nations, from which, by the way, those kind of claims she benefited professionally, and I have no doubt socially, at least until CBC reporter Jeff Liao exposed the false narrative. I mean, just as an example, reports the take on University of Saskatchewan associate professor Winona Wheeler, who states genealogical records show Barassa is not Indigenous at all, but rather of entirely European descent. The CBC story also quotes Janet Smiley. She's Métis, University of Toronto family medicine professor who wrote a chapter on Indigenous parenting in a 2017 book that was edited by Barassa. She states, She's recently learned the truth about Ms. Barassa's identity after conducting her own research. In quotes, it makes you feel a bit sick to have an imposter who is speaking on behalf of Métis and Indigenous people to the country about literally what it means to be Métis. That's very disturbing and upsetting and harmful. You know, that last part should be emphasized. It's not just a bizarre story that I would need a professional to help me understand the deeper motivations. No, it's harmful harmful to Indigenous communities and their representatives. Hey, that's all the time we have this week, but a reminder, the World Outlook Conference, first week of February, just go to mikesmoneytalks.ca. You can click on, there's an early bird special, but I, I tell you, what a year it's going to be. I love our track record. You're going back. I was just reviewing uh, Peter Granditch last year, who's telling us that we looked at the uranium market. It was the bullish thing uh, attitude he's had in 37 years. It's going to be incredible. Well, you look what happened to Cameco as an example. One of his recommendations up 100%. And the, the World Outlook Conference small cap portfolio, which we've done every year with Keystone Financial, well, it's up 114% as I talk to you right now. So that's the bottom line. But I want to remind you to get your tickets. Go to mikesmoneytalks.ca as you can uh, to get the tickets, but you could also go to Money Talks Tweet every day. You can also go to uh, the website, but you can go to Michael Campbell's Money Talks on Facebook. I hope you do all of that. I can keep you up to date, but a reminder, World Outlook Conference coming up. I hope you have a terrific weekend. Subscribe to the Money Talks with Michael Campbell podcast for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you get your on-demand audio for the complete show, daily podcasts, and more.